Welcome to the weekend edition of The Daily Stoic. Each weekday, we bring you a meditation inspired by the ancient Stoics, something to help you live up to those four Stoic virtues of courage, justice, temperance, and wisdom. And then here on the weekend, we take a deeper dive into those same topics. We interview Stoic philosophers. We explore at length how these Stoic ideas can be applied to our actual lives and the challenging issues of our time. Here on the weekend, when you have a little bit more space, when things have slowed down, be sure to take some time to think, to go for a walk, to sit with your journal, and most importantly, to prepare for what the week ahead may bring. When Courage is Calling came out in September, uh, I made a trip out to LA to do some interviews. And one of the reasons we took the trip, one of the reasons we drove, it was not an easy thing to do to drive from Texas to California, was that I promised my oldest son, Clark, that I would take him to Cerro Gordo, which is a YouTube channel he loves about this guy living in a ghost town. And you've heard me talk about Cerro Gordo before. Um, it's My son, of course, refers to him as this guy who lives in the ghost town, as if Brent, uh, Brent Underwood, the guy that lives in the ghost town, has not been in my son's life, my son's entire life. I've actually known Brent since he started as my intern at Brass Check. Um, he helped me start Daily Stoic. It was his idea to do this podcast. It's his idea to do our YouTube channel. Uh, Brent's the best. I've known Brent forever. And uh, my son just really wanted to go visit. I, I was one of the original investors in Cerro Gordo. I've watched the story unfold. Um, it's this crazy place. It's, you know, 8,000 feet of elevation. It's a ghost town. Uh, in right above Death Valley. Um, it's like the highest part in California, looking down on the lowest part of California. And at one point, it was one of the most valuable silver mines in the world. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of silver came out of it. And Brent moved up there during the pandemic. Uh, in March of 2020, I said, hey, Brent, you can come out to our farm you know, and crash anytime you want. Uh, and he said, you know what? I think I'm gonna go head to Cerro Gordo. And he moved there where he promptly got snowed in and uh, had to be stoic in a very real way as life conspired to crush his spirit uh, and uh, uh, kill him in many ways. There was a fire, there was natural disasters, uh, there was loneliness and isolation and uh, all the things we were dealing with in the pandemic magnified. And at some point, Brent started a YouTube channel which blew up called Ghost Town Living, and uh, my son loves watching it. All of which is to set up today's episode something I filmed while I was up in Cerro Gordo, but I'd love you to listen to. These are stoic lessons from an abandoned ghost town. I, While I was up there, and, and I think it's part of why I love history and why I've been fascinated with Cerro Gordo, I just was struck with a lot of different stoic themes. And I riffed on them while I was up there. And that's what we have in today's episode. Seven stoic lessons from an abandoned ghost town, things I want you to think about uh, that will challenge you, I think help put some of Marcus Aurelius and Seneca's and Epictetus's wisdom uh, in more concrete terms. And uh, you can watch this episode on YouTube as well, but I think listening to it will give you the same effect. Here are seven Stoic lessons from an abandoned ghost town. One of my absolute favorite quotes from Seneca, he says, the whole world is a temple to the gods. When you look out at the insane beauty. It's hard not to be struck by that, just how 
obscenely beautiful the world is. Actually, one of my favorite Marcus Aurelius passages is when he's sort of talking about the ordinary beauty of life in meditations. He talks about nature's inadvertence, the way that bread cracks open or olives fall ripe from the tree, or the way that grain bends low under its own weight. You look even like this scrub brush growing out of the side of a cliff face. You look at the mountains, the way they frame the city. It's just incredible. You have to cultivate that eye to appreciate it to see it, to soak it in. You can't be too busy, can't be too preoccupied, can't be too obsessed with yourself not to see it. I mean, even just, look how insanely beautiful the road up to Cerro Gordo is, just carved out of the face of the mountain. On the uh, bookshelf here at Cerro Gordo, I found one of my absolute favorite books, Totochan, The Little Girl at the Window. But there's a little memento mori story that I think about every time I touch or think about this book, which I just reread a couple years ago and we actually sell my bookstore, The Painted Porch. The person who recommended that book to me was my friend, Seth Roberts. And a couple years ago, Seth uh, sent me an email on a Friday. I saw it, I started to read it, then I marked it as unread and I said, I'm gonna get to it on Monday. Uh, I was editing an article or something he was writing, and I said, I'll do it Monday. But that Sunday, he dropped dead of a heart attack on a hike. It's obviously tragic that he's gone, but the final lesson I took from that was this idea of memento mori, which the Stoics talk about, which is that you can't take people or life for granted. You never know. You never know how long you get with someone. You never know if you'll get another chance to respond to that email. And I, I think about that email all the time. I could have responded. I could have just said hello. We would have connected one last time before he died. And uh, this is a great book. You should definitely read it. It's a beautiful book. But uh, I hope that Memento Mori reminder sticks with you as well. Hobbes famously said that, that life is nasty, brutish, and short. And Aristotle said something pretty similar about the lives of slaves back in ancient Greece. And you can, you can get some sort of desolate, dark summations of human existence from Marcus Aurelius too. But you think about the lives of these miners. You know, they're making four bucks a day, maybe. They're literally carving out rock piece by piece, bucket by bucket, just getting destroyed. Almost none of them ever actually strike it rich. In this union mine up here, there was a cave-in that killed up to like 200 miners, something like that. They're just stuck there. They never, they never got out. And who remembers them? To me, the point isn't to be dark and morbid, although, you know, we're all fragile and mortal today. To me, the lesson is like, we should be immensely grateful for the privileges and advantages that we have in the modern world. We're so lucky. I'm here at Cerro Gordo and I'm standing on top of a 70 foot mound. The mounds, the stuff that comes out of a mine are called tailings. So this hoist house here, tiny cage, every day running 24-7 would bring up rocks, right? All the excess that they're trying to get out of the mine. Not even just the ore, but the excess. So these tailing piles, that's 70 feet, multiple hills of millions of pounds of rock, which reminds me of two great Stoic quotes. One, Marx really says, we assemble our life action by action. No one can stop you from that. The idea that you're gonna build a 70 foot pile of refuse is insane, but how do you do it? You do it one ore cart at a time, one trip uh, from the hoist at a time. And then my other favorite uh, quote, this is actually from Zeno, the founder of Stoicism. He says, uh, well-being is realized by small steps 
but it's no small thing, right? Each one of these, just a tiny little load of rocks. It itself is small, but cumulatively it's enormous. Whereas uh, Washington's favorite expression was, uh, many mickles make a muckle, many loads make a giant mountain. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time, only save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. That's dell.com slash deals. One of the things I think about when I come to a place like this is like, how did the people live? Like, how did they endure the adversity and the difficulty in the inhospitable weather? And the answer is they, they dealt with it one day at a time. They dealt with it with quiet stoicism and endurance, just like you would do if you lived then or if those conditions return. Like, we think about how our ancestors lived through the Great Depression or the Great Influenza or any of these things, and they they lived through it by living through it. It's not that complicated. Just in the same way that you lived through the pandemic by, as Marcus Aurelius says, by using the, the weapons that you've always been armed with, your reason, your strength, your power of will. And, and so that's how you have to think about it. Like, you're not that different from them. And in fact, we're all descendants of people who have been through much worse stuff. We come from an unbroken line of survivors dating back to Marcus Aurelius and before him, before him and before her and before him, all the way back. We come from an unbroken line of survivors. And as I look out over this town, I just take some edification from the hardiness and the perseverance and the, the strength of the people who lived here. And you can choose to do that too. And it's just, I think, something always worth remembering. The Stoics say like, all of this is ours in trust only. Like you possess it briefly, however long you have it. But like, Undoubtedly, it goes with your death. It, it goes to someone else, but it can also be stolen from you. It can burn down like it did earlier this year. Like it's yours in trust. You have so little control over it. And we're basically just reacting to these forces outside of our control. Whether you live to be a hundred, whether there's one pandemic, whether there's 10 pandemics, whether there's natural disasters or whatever, like you don't own any of this. Like I heard someone say about their ranch, which I think about with mine, they're like, I don't own this. The bank just lets me make payments on it. I mean, you don't own it. If you don't pay your property taxes, like someone will come take it. Like you do not own anything. And there's a story about Epictetus where uh, this lamp he has is stolen. And uh, he, he, instead of being upset, he just goes like, you can only lose what you have. And when you feel possessive of things, as opposed to seeing them as ephemerally yours, that's where you get those feelings of anger and, and resentment because you, you lied to yourself, you told yourself it was yours. When we feel like stuff's ours, when we feel like we own it, we're more vulnerable than a person who, again, sees these things as temp only temporarily theirs, which is, I think, another important stoic exercise. Mark Strelius actually says like, as, and he gets this from Epictetus, he says, as you tuck your children in tonight, 
like say to yourself, like, I might not see them in the morning, um, which feels like horrible to do. You would never like look at something you love and own, let alone a person and be like, well, like goodbye. But when you do that, the Stoics say, when you wake up the next day, you're like, you actually appreciate it. You see it as yours. You're grateful for it in a way that if you have begun to take it for granted, or like you've woken up with so many mornings, every morning you have it, you don't appreciate it, you don't see it with the precariousness that, uh, that it actually exists in. Everyone has a thing they would like to do, and then they look at the numbers, or they get dissuaded, or they look at the, the entrenched interests that are, would make that very difficult, and then they come up with a reason not to do it. Yes. There's this great story where um, Jeff Bezos has the idea for Amazon, and he's telling his boss, he's working on Wall Street, and they're, they go for this walk in Central Park, and his boss says, that sounds like a great idea for someone who doesn't have a job, meaning like, Somebody else should do it, not you. And I do think one of the big elements of courage is this idea of like, if not me, then who, right? Like, like why would I just let someone else do it? I wanna try it, why shouldn't I risk it? Yeah, I think like to your point, like instead of finding ways not to do it, find ways or find reasons to do it, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And I think it's obviously a balancing act, but this end of the day, for me, when I'm thinking about Sarah Gordon specifically, there's no manual for restoring abandoned ghost towns. There's no degree in turning a ghost town into something. And so like, to your point, if not me, then who? I think yeah. that like, I don't have all of the tools necessary, but I have the confidence that I could figure it out. And so if I'm not gonna do it, who else? It's not just, if not me, then who? It's also, if not now, then when? And I found that in my career, it's like, okay, yeah, I could wait another year and then go do this stuff in Hollywood, but I probably would have never done it. Then I had this corporate life and it was like, but I want to be a writer. And then to leave that, it's like, if I'm not going to do it now at this age, I'm never going to do it. And then to, to pivot from that stuff to ancient philosophy, it's like, if you're not going to do it now, you're probably never going to do it. And so there's this great Latin expression, foxy focus, basically like, do it if you're going to do it. Like, you can't put it off. You can't tell yourself like, when I'm more established, when it's safer, when it's more proven, because that's when you miss your moment. You know, the Stoics in real life met at what was called the Stoa, the Stoa Pokile, the Painted Porch in ancient Athens. Obviously, we can't all get together in one place because this community is like hundreds of thousands of people and we couldn't fit in one space. But we have made a, a special digital version of the Stoa. We're calling it Daily Stoic Life. It's an awesome community. You can talk about like today's episode. You can talk about the emails, ask questions. That's one of my favorite parts is interacting with all these people who are using Stoicism to be better in their actual real lives. You get more Daily Stoic meditations over the weekend uh, just for the Daily Stoic Life members, quarterly Q&As with me, cloth-bound edition of our Best of Meditations, plus a whole bunch of other stuff, including discounts. And this is the best part, all our Daily Stoic courses and challenges totally for free, hundreds of dollars of value every single year, including our New Year, New You Challenge. We'd love to have you join us. There's a two-week trial totally for free. Check it out at dailystoiclife.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Daily Stoic early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. 
In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. From Wondery, this is Black History For Real. I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Conscious Lee. What do most <laughs> people think about when they hear the words Black History? Rosa Parks, Reconstruction, MLK, February, Black History Exactly, Mom. exactly. There are so many stories of Black History that we just are not really talking about or thinking about, especially outside of February. And we are about to flip the script on all of that. Because on this show, you're going to hear a little less... In August 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And a little bit more. She is a heroine to some, as a fighter for black rights. She is a villain to others. Follow Black History for Real on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen everywhere on February 5th, or you can listen early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting January 29th. Join Wondery Plus on the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Black 